Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Trust that your heart has already been blessed in the service. Uh, over and over again, the Spirit of God was speaking to my heart through the different songs that were sung, special music, the Bible reading. Uh, if you're just starting to eat right now or hoping to eat right now, you're late to the table. Uh, the Lord has been shedding forth, serving good bread already, and I trust that you have eaten already almost to the full. We're in Deuteronomy chapter number 30. In shop class in the academy, I am <clears throat> started, we kind of went back to the basics. We have a full-blown shop with about every tool that we would ever need, lots of very expensive, complicated tools like table saws and chop saws and drill presses. But this semester, we have kind of gone back, and I've been teaching hand tools, screwdrivers and um, hammers and tape measure, steel rulers, that kind of thing. And you know, you kind of lose your appreciation for those until you actually have to explain what they do and how they're used and why you use them and what they're good for and all the different features of them. And you start to get a little bit of a, a, an appreciation for these basic of, most basic of tools, especially if you've been using, I don't do this much anymore, I do that. And you start to get a lot better appreciation once you realize, you know, these basic tools actually have a, serve a very good function. And this morning's message, all of my messages are fairly basic and fairly simple, but this one will be more like a screwdriver, more like a, just an old hammer um, than probably anything, and mine aren't very, very complicated, but this one will be on the, on the bottom level today. It'll be easy to hear. It'll easy, be easy to follow. You're not going to hear anything today that you probably didn't already know, but that's not really the question. The question is, will the screwdriver have performed its function when we walk out the door? Will the tool have done its work that it was supposed to do? That's really the question here, and we will ask uh, the Lord to do that work. It is by his spirit that this work is done, and we will ask him to do that in each heart this morning. The title of the message this morning is The Choice. The Choice. Let's pray. Father, you have already blessed us beyond measure. If we were to walk out of this building at this moment, you have already given more truth than most of the world will hear this year. You've given it in these last few moments. But Lord, because you are so good and your spirit is so powerful, we will remain to hear an explanation of truth in our hearts by your spirit that you might change us even farther, that you might guide our paths and change our lives and give to us everything that the Lord Jesus has already purchased for us. Father, we want nothing less than a work of your spirit, a work worthy of your own name, for we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Let's read that. We're going to read the entire chapter this morning. <clears throat> I 
And it came to and it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, that thou shalt call them to mind among all nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. Shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, with all thy soul. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out from the uttermost part of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and, with all, and that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. Thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land. For good, for good, for the, the land, for good, sorry. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. For this commandment which I commanded thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldst say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is beyond the sea that thou shouldst say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? For the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship at other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. An amazing passage of scripture, way too much for us to cover in the short time that we have. But if you're over the age of 12, and I think almost everybody in here is because the junior church kids have been dismissed, you have already discovered, if you're over the age of 12, that life is a constant flow 
of choices. That, that flow starts very early in the day, and it runs all day, every day. Do I get up or push the snooze button one more time? What outfit do I wear? Do I eat eggs or cereal? Which route do I take to work? Do I take my lunch or do I eat out? On and on and on it goes all day, every day. Choice after choice after choice after choice. Most of the choices that we make, we make with very little thought. We choose to hit the snooze button one too many times and then we spend the rest of the day trying to get out the door, you know, trying to catch up. We get in the car and we go to work the way we've always gone to work. We don't really think much about that. Some choices we spend a great deal of time deliberating over. You're going to make that Amazon purchase. And so you read all 525 reviews that have been put on this item. Isn't that the most discouraging thing ever? You read these things and one person says, this is the worst product ever. And the next one, this is the best product ever. And you just go back and forth. And so you never know what you're going to get anyway. But you read all these things to make sure you're going to get exactly what you want. In reality, most of these decisions don't matter, as what our grandfathers used to say, to a hill of beans. They don't make any difference at all in your life, no matter how much time you spent on them. They're very momentary. It's no big deal. What you had for breakfast, the, work, the route you took to work, and that well-researched Amazon product that's now in the back of the closet because it turns out you didn't need it anyway, none of those things have any great impact on your existence. There are choices, however, that do have major impact in our lives. And one choice in particular that everyone is faced with, and here it is. Do I obey God or not? Stated differently, we might say, do I trust God or not? Now, those may seem like two different questions, but they're actually two two sides of the same coin. If you have one, you have the other. If you, if you obey God, it means you believe him. If you don't obey God, it means you don't believe him. You don't trust him. So the question that we're all faced all throughout the day, all through our entire life is, do I obey God or not? Now, since we're all confronted with this question continually, it's best that we understand it. So let's get very basic. Do I obey God or not? Point number one, it is an age-old question. It is an age-old question. You're not the first person or the on, only person who has been confronted with the question, Am I, do I obey God or not? From the very beginning, this question has had to be answered. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, the instructions were clear. Eat whatever you want. But don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The devil comes in, the serpent comes in and says, Yea, hath God said. And what question is Eve confronted with? Do I obey God or not? To hear it from the devil, it would seem like God was holding back great wisdom and knowledge that would have been a, really been a benefit to Eve, and so she chose. And we might say very poorly, she chose. 
She was confronted with the question. Cain and Abel were confronted with the same question. Will I obey God or not? Abel says, you know what? I trust God. And so he brought a blood sacrifice to offer. Cain says, my own works are good enough. I don't see any difference in that. And so I think I'll just bring what the best that I can bring from my fields. And in disobedience to God, he brings that another very poor choice. Noah, long before he ever heard of the ark, had been fronted, confronted with the question, do I obey God or not? Everybody else had been confronted with that same question. They all decided in the negative. Think about what that would mean in your world. Everybody around you has already decided they're not going to obey God. And Noah decides he's going to. He will trust God. We could chart this question down through time and find, if we did so, it is a very old question. Are you going to obey God or not? Number two, it is a question that only has two answers. It is a question that only has two answers. Do you remember taking tests in school? Test in school, when you got the paper, the one thing that sent chills down your spine was an essay question. Yes. Here is a blank spot that big on the paper with one question, and you had to fill this in. And you got to put in enough that the teacher thinks you know what you're talking about without revealing the fact that you don't know what you're talking about. And so there's a variety of things that could be written in there. And so those were the absolute worst questions. The next worst question was the fill in the blank questions. Where, you know, it's a sense and there's these blanks you have to fill in. And, you know, there's a lot of words in the English language and a lot of them would fit in there. But the teacher's looking for a specific word that goes in that blank. And those were difficult. It was not quite as bad when you had matching Remember the matching questions. You got A through F over here, and you got a list over here, and you could kind of do the, a spider web through there, and hopefully the teacher couldn't trace your writings enough to get the wrong, answer wrong for you. Then there were a little bit better questions. They were the multiple choice questions. Generally three or four possible answers, and you know, you had a 25% chance here. But the very best questions, the questions you absolutely loved on the piece of paper, True, false, you got a 50-50 chance, even if you didn't study. <laughs> you got a 50-50 chance on this thing. True, false. There were only two choices. So it is with our age-old question. Will I obey God or not? Yes or no? Those are the only two choices that we have. It's not a multiple choice question. There's no gray areas. It's not obey or it's obey or not obey. That's all there is to it. We often like to add other answers in. We sometimes want to circle both true and false. But the fact of the matter is, it is always a yes or no question. Will I obey God or not? It's an age-old question with only two answers. Number three, the answers 
are not difficult to understand. Look at verse number 16. The answers are not difficult to understand. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if in thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether it will pass us over Jordan to go to possess it. We often like to play games with God. We like to try to fudge on the answer. But in, the, in our heart, we always know the difference between obedience and disobedience. Let's test this. Your mom says, clean your bedroom. And so you go in there as you did as a teenager or a younger person, and you clean up the floor, you clean up all the mess, and you stuff it into the closet. <laughs> this isn't confession time, Chris. <laughs> you stuffed all that stuff into your closet. Obedience or disobedience? Now, you may have argued tooth and nail like you did as a teenager with your folks that said, look, my room is clean. You didn't say anything about the closet. You might have done that. But in your heart, you knew that this was not obedience. You knew that you had disobeyed. You're supposed to take out the trash. But that garbage can in the basement is always so heavy, and you didn't want to lug it all the way out to the street. So you did all ten other garbage cans, but that one in the basement you left. Obedience or disobedience? Now, you may have argued with your folks, but you knew in the, in the depths of your heart, you knew this was not actually obedience. This was disobedience. Your boss says, I need to have this file done before you go home. But there's one form in this file that takes forever to fill out. And so you make up some excuse and put it into the in-basket of somebody else. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is confession time, Chris. <laughs> Disobedience or obedience. And in your heart, Although you had an excuse for it, in your heart you know, this isn't right. I just fudged on this. We like to play little games with our answers, but it's really not that hard to understand. You only have two options, and they're pretty clearly defined. It's an age-old question with two easy-to-understand answers. Number four. The choices are not hidden or hard to discover. The choices are not hidden or hard to discover. Often when we really don't want to obey, we, want to, we try to play with the question. I didn't really know what you meant, or I couldn't really remember what you said. We play, if we don't want to get the right, give the, the answer, we, want, we try to play with the question. The choice to obey God is not some hidden thing. We used to play a game called treasure hunt. 
Now, I don't know if that was just a cultural thing, a southern thing, a 70s thing. I don't know because I don't haven't seen a lot of it being done by kids here. But we used to play a game called Treasure Hunt. Maybe you played this thing. You would write out a clue. And it would say, uh, the first clue would be, run, look on the trailer. And in the trailer, there would be hidden a piece of paper that says, go look on the front porch. And on the front porch, there would be a clue that said, go look in the, in the back by the well. How many ever played a game like that? Okay, so that's all us old people. You guys ever played any of that game? Okay, so I there's some young people too that played this game. Good, all right. Now, the, re the deal was you ran from each clue to clue to clue to clue to clue, and at the end, there was a treasure. So, what you, so you all got there and you got the birthday present, prize thing, treasure. Okay, that's what you did. Put yourself in that game, but what if you got to one of them and the clue said, Look under the big rock on the moon. <laughs> or it said, the answer to the next clue is found in Moscow. And you would say, well, that's impossible. How could I ever get to that? How could I ever do that? There's no way I, you'd come up with excuse and you just quit because there's no sense in continuing to obey. Look at verse number 11. For this commandment which I commanded thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, who shall go over in the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. This is not rocket science rocket science. Understand and the choices are not hidden or hard to discover. Point number five. The outcome is very clear. The outcome of your choice is very clear. You ever watch the old Price is Right show with Bob Barker. Yeah. Come on down. You have won. Or you're the next contestant on The Price is Right. See, the person runs down. That's always really embarrassing, the way those people ran down the aisle. I don't know about you. But <laughs> anyway, you get down to that little thing in the front, and they, you, you guess the numbers or whatever. And so, ding, you win. So the person comes up on the thing. And now they play whatever game, and it says, you have won. But you weren't quite sure what you won. And you would either win a brand new car or a vacation to Hawaii or this $10 toaster. And so <laughs> you weren't quite sure what the outcome would be after you won. You didn't know the prize and you didn't know if you got it, if you'd won it, if you did. You know, choices are not like that. The outcome is very clear. When I was a kid, we got one of these things in the mail, one of these go look at the timeshare things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always opened those things because, you know, it promised some pretty good stuff. And so I opened this thing, and it said, you have won one of the four, one of these four things, a brand-new car, and it listed the make and model of the car that I knew, okay? 
you have won a diamond ring, and it gave the carrots and so forth of, and the value of this ring. There was one other thing, I can't remember what it was, but it was a very impressive thing. Or you've won a boat with an outboard motor, which it had all the numbers and the, the, you know, the, the style and the name of the boat. And I'm like, no, wait a second. All you've got to do is go sit for two hours and listen to this spiel about timeshare or whatever it was, and you have won one of these four things. And these are all good prizes. I mean, a boat with an outboard motor, a car, a diamond ring. So I'm interested. I'm only maybe seventh grade, eighth grade. I start reading the fine print. You know there's always fine print. Did you know that? So I start reading the fine print. And I come across the odds of winning section. Do you know they have to have that in there? They have to tell you the odds of winning. So the odds of winning the car were like one in 10 million. The odds on winning the diamond ring were like one in a, like, a million or something like that. The odds on winning the other item was one in a million. The odds on winning the boat was 999,999 out of a million. Okay, you're getting the boat. Now, <laughs> surprise, we ought to, anybody think you're gonna win one of the other things? Okay, you got the, Now, that's not part of the story, but I'll tell you the, the outcome of this. My poor folks went and looked, sat through that thing for me for that, because I wanted this boat. I mean, how bad could it be? <laughs> this boat with an outboard motor. It was a rubber raft. <laughs> Less vinyl than if you ever had one of those little swimming things that go around as a kid, you know, that goes around your waist. The vinyl was thinner than that. It was supposed to use a 12-volt car battery, but that boat would have never held up a car battery, and the motor was electric, running off a car battery. <laughs> That thing would not have pushed you across the bathtub, much less. <laughs> but that whole thing aside, we knew before they went what the prize would be. The outcome of this was not in question. It wasn't like, will we come? Will mom and dad come home with the diamond ring? Will they come home driving a brand new car? What are you going to get? choice is as clear as that. It's that clear. There is no debate on what the outcome of your choice will be. Verse number 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And we're not talking about four options here. We're talking about two options that are, you have life and good, or death and evil. Now, you don't suppose that the outcome for disobedience is life and good, right? This is a no-brainer here. The outcome for obedience is life and good. The outcome for disobedience is death and evil. This should not be some big shock to you. Pick up the Bible, read it from cover to cover. You will find this explained and demonstrated. Almost every single page of the scripture will explain or demonstrate this in some way. But don't stop at merely reading the Bible. Start reading through history. 
and you will find the very same thing. But don't stop there. Look around you. Look at those who have obeyed God and those who have not. There is a stark difference. But don't stop there. Look at your own life. Cannot you not see this truth in your own experience? When you were obeying God's word, you had life and good. But when you disobeyed, things started getting real nasty. Don't, be a, don't make a mistake here with what's being said. We're not teaching health and wealth Christianity. Not everything on planet Earth is sunshine and cupcakes. We live in a sin-cursed planet, in sin-cursed bodies, and bad things happen. But how we go through them is determined by which choice that we make. I was telling the, the kids in PCL, I teach Bible class in the academy, I was t telling them this on Tuesday. In my early 7th grade to my middle 10th grade years, I decided to just kind of go my own way. I decided that, you know what, the way of life and my own choices is better than the way of the Lord. Now, I say that, but I was still going to church four times a week. I was still doing my personal devotions every day. And I was still doing everything that everybody who knew, who was watching me, thought I should do. You understand what I'm saying here? I played the game where anybody was watching that needed to be watched. But in my heart, I was going my own way. Now, I have to tell you at this moment... Those were the absolute worst years of my life. Actually, the only rotten years of my life. Now, the strange thing is, it wasn't because I was a, I was a teenager, okay, because the latter part of my teenage years were not that. It, the strange thing is, in my teenage years, I didn't really face anything very difficult. They were dark, hard days for the reason I just mentioned. In my life, I have gone through things a hundred times harder than those with a very light heart and joy. Why can that be? You have trouble. Just what the book says. The outcome is already determined. And when you obey, life has good. It's life. And when you choose to disobey, Expect very hard things. It's the way that it is. There should be, it's the boat. You're going to get the boat. <laughs> Do you understand that? 999,999 times out of a million. In fact, just call it a million out of a million. It's what's going to happen. How do we know? God said it. And it's been proven over in every life in history since the beginning of time it's been proven so why are you shocked when the doing of disobeying God turns out bad why did that shock you at all it's the way that it is the outcome is not in question 
You can mark it down. You can underline it in red and highlight it. The outcome of obedience is good and life, and the outcome of disobedience is evil and death. The whole history of the Bible, the whole history of the world, the whole history of everyone around you, and your own whole history proves that very fact. And to expect any other outcome is basic insanity. Point number six. It is a daily choice. Will I obey God or not? It is a daily choice. I wish this were just a one-time thing. You made the choice and, all, and away you went and everything was great from there and you didn't have to make any other choices, but it's not that way. Now that one choice, when you say, you know what, from now on I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to go the Lord's way, it is, helps and it sets a precedent and helps you lean in the right direction. But the fact of the matter is, you are confronted day in and day out, moment by moment, by the same choice. Will I obey God or not? Yes. When you pick up your phone, when you turn on the TV, when you talk with your friend, when you make your plans for the day, when you get on the internet, when you raise your children, when you conduct business at work, when you spend your money, when you pursue your hobby, your recreation, or your extracurricular activities, each point, the question looms, will I obey God or not? The question will not be hidden. The answer is understandable and clear, and the outcome is predetermined, and you will choose to obey or disobey. And the outcome is what it is. Now, there's one piece of this that I would be remiss in not mentioning before we leave here today. There is an eternal choice. We're all confronted with the, with the choice, will I obey God or not? But there is an eternal choice. Many people believe that your daily choices of obedience and disobedience determine the, your eternity. There's a small truth in that, but not how you think. Most people think that if my percentage of obedient choices outweighs my benefit or uh, my percentage of disobedient choices, then I'm good to go. God will work that all in my favor. If, I, if my, my obedience outweighs my disobedience, we're good. It's not that way at all. That's very false thinking. Think of it this way. I was trying to illustrate. This is a goofy illustration, but you'll, you'll get the, the idea here. Think if you were called to drive a truckload of nitroglycerin. Seems like every TV show series has one of these episodes where they have to drive a truckload of nitroglycerin. And you're called to drive a truckload of nitroglycerin. The guy that gives you the truck says, now look, you cannot hit any bumps at all. One bump with the nitroglycerin of any size and bluey, you're done. So you get in the truck and you have to drive the truck 100 miles. But there's a pothole every 50 feet on the road. So you set out to driving. You go 50 miles avoiding every pothole. Now, do you have sort, some sort of safety net? The next pothole, if you actually don't hit one, you're, you're, you've got some energy built up, some safety built up, like on a video game. No, 
If after 50 miles you haven't hit a pothole, and on the 51st mile you hit a pothole, guess what? Bluey. Okay, now, can you call, remember as a kid, do-overs? As a kid, you called do-overs because you messed it up and you wanted to do it again. Can you call do-overs on that situation? No, you cannot. Getting to heaven on your own is exactly that. Every decision of your entire life has to be one of absolute positive obedience, and there is no margin for one error in the entire life. It just cannot be done. There is no other option if you're going to make it on your own. No, God knew that you couldn't make that. And so what does he do? He sends his son to purchase your redemption, to pay for the disobedience that you have done. And God, in his mercy, offers salvation to you. And that, my friend, is a choice. You can choose to trust Christ as your Savior. You can choose to take him as your substitute. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that is a choice that you have not made, you need to make. It is the choice, it is an eternal choice to take Christ as your Savior or not. Now some people get the idea that once they take that, God doesn't care what else you do. Now will not, what else you do in the life will not affect your eternity. That is an eternal choice that you make. But my friend, to think that your choices in life God doesn't care about any longer, whether you obey or disobey, is ridiculous. The entire scripture is against that. The entire scripture says that the choices that you make each day and each thing has consequences to it. And we must, as we're faced with these choices, choose to obey God. Will you obey God or not? It's an age-old question that only has two answers, yes or no. The choices are not hidden or hard to discover. You know if you're obeying or disobeying. The outcome is clear. It's not going to turn out well for you if you're disobeying. God makes promises for obedience that he will bless. So you're confronted over and over and over and over every through all through the day, will I obey God or not? What will your answer be throughout this week when you are given the choice? Let's pray.